Welcome back. Thanks for joining me, guys. I'm Bill, and if you didn't know, now you know. This is branching out. <laughs> I've been working on trying to find an intro that I think works for a minute now. So I think I'm going to stick with that one. I kind of like that. I might clip that and throw it at the beginning of all my episodes. Today, um, we got kind of a special episode. Today, I got my first guest. My dad's going to be on the show today. He's going to uh, He's going to talk to us about school this next semester he's a teacher he's been a teacher for a long time so i guess you could say this episode is for all my students and in particularly my college students um i know we're getting ready to go back to school here in about a month or so as we come up on the end of july and it's it's going to be a difficult time for a lot of people but i think that I think that this interview I did with my dad is going to be really, really insightful, and I think it'll, I think it'll open up some people's eyes. Um, I think it'll give some people a chance to listen to something, to listen to some things that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise heard. I think that because it comes from somebody who's been teaching and been around school buildings and is the product of two che- two other teachers, I think that because of where it comes from and who it's coming from, it's going to be well worth the listen. Um, he's not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but he is pretty well seasoned and pretty well versed in what it is he does. Um, I could be biased because he is my dad, but I would listen to him. I think some of the things he's saying, he's, he's got pretty good arguments for. I think, I think it's well worth the listen. Um, I'm going to hop right into it today. I'm going to go right into the interview. I just wanted to put this little intro in front of it. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm joined here today by my father. What's going on, Dad? Nothing much. Thank you for having me. Man. So, I brought you in today because I wanted to talk to you about what this next school year might look like um, with coronavirus ruining our 2020. You know, we've been dealing with it now for a couple months, here personally since March or so. Um, And now that we sit in the middle of July... School starts in about a month, month and a half for some kids. And I wanted to know what you think the next school year is going to look like. Uh, I think the next school year is probably going to look a lot like the spring semester did. um, With part-time between distance learning and uh, in-person learning. it really depends on the virus, but I would say that if we as a country still can't agree to wear a mask or uh, take time out on going to the bar or the beach, um, there's very little chance that uh, this situation will be cleared up by December, which is generally the end of the fall semester. Um, December is five months from now. Uh, and we are six months from the start of you know most people's COVID experience. Uh, I don't see anything that leads me to think that we will handle this easier in the next five months than we have in the previous six months. Uh, if anything, uh, we are in a worse situation with more cases. Um, than we were even in January, and we see how the January uh, experience worked out for us. You mentioned the spring semester um, is probably going to be similar to what this semester looks like. You as a teacher, how did you navigate 
the online virtual learning experience for your students, for sitting in meetings, for how did that go for you? Because as I understand, you don't necessarily have a traditional, I'm in a classroom all the time teaching X, Y, and Z type right, of position, right, right? Right. Well, you know, <clears throat> I, I run the adult prep program and the uh, vocational department um, at my school. And Primarily, my job duty is to get young people ready to enter the workforce. Um, if, if I was to call myself a specialist in something, it's relating to young people and getting them to flip the switch from acting and thinking like children to getting them to see the world through adult eyes, even if they are small tiny underdeveloped childlike eyes um, <laughs> why are you uh, like so, this so uh it has affected me in my delivery of curriculum probably more so than uh than other teachers because uh, i'm unable to get the kids out into the community doing volunteer work uh working at different job placements in the community uh, all that came to a grinding halt so um what it required was a shift into things that we could deliver uh, from a distance that uh, are relative to um, kids' transition and uh, life skills. So uh, lots of money lessons, lots of uh, time management, lots of um, consumer information. Uh, you'd be surprised at how... Um, how divorced our, our, our kids are from issues of money and uh, personal finance. It's, uh, it's incredible. So uh, it's been a shift to that. And in a way, that's good. Uh, when Corona is done with us and the community will have us back, we will uh, re-engage that aspect. But um, if you think about sand in an hourglass, this time, even this whole year of 2020, is time that you will never uh, get back. So it's got to be up to each person to make the most out of this year. Um, no school, no teacher, no online program can do it for you. A lot of college students are getting emails and phone calls and things from the administration at whatever school they might go to. And I've seen in a couple of instances now where schools have said, okay, you guys are going to come back to campus. We're going to do a limited on-campus learning type deal. And a lot of classes are going to be hybrid. Person, Me personally, I know I have all of my lecture classes will be hybrids. And they'll try to work in clinical things on site if they can, if safety allows us to. Um, but a lot of schools have already decided that Thanksgiving break will be the end of the semester and there will be no final stretch final four or five weeks to to do the finals thing like we usually do um, what's your opinion on that is that any safer than just staying till December it's absolutely safer that's uh, that's just basic uh, third grade math um, if you consider that many 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 college students are going to would have gone home in December and then gone to be with their family, relatives, grandparents, elderly people, people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, ending the semester at Thanksgiving just gives you a natural 14-day quarantine 
that everybody, including the CDC, should hopefully agree on. It's not anything sinister. It's not anything. It's not a money grab. It's simple math. If you care about, you know, the lives of students and uh, the lives of your fellow Americans, then uh, it's better to build that 14 days into the schedule than depend on young people to do the quarantining on their own. We also know that grandparents and parents won't say no to kids. So um, that 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 wild drunken party on a college campus and then hugging your grandmother three days later, that's a that's a recipe for disaster. Um, we should expect higher education to act smart. You want the smartest people in the world working on this thing. Not a bunch of people with opinions in the back seats of their cars uh, who have feelings about a situation. Uh, that's not productive. Um, you want the brightest minds in the industry um, thinking about these types of things. And the uh, university example of sending kids home at Thanksgiving, that should be duplicated all the way down to kindergarten classes and preschool classes because um, we know now that it takes an active kinetic fight against the virus to turn the numbers around. Not some passive, hopeful, uh, maybe if everybody gets sick, nobody will seem sick approach, which is uh, maybe what some want to see done. Um, it, it seems to just come down to the basic notion that um, those who put actual science and thought into something are somehow acting elitist or trying to uh, throw a blanket on the, the rights of those who uh, don't gauge their opinion according to science or, or um, any sort of intelligent framework. I'm glad you mentioned kindergarten and preschool and younger kids because we know kids are gross. Kids are disgusting. That's just, that's part of what makes them kids. Sending them back into classrooms around each other all day has to be a recipe for disaster, right? Um, I, I don't, I don't know if I would categorize it as a recipe for disaster. Um, I was in Costco the day before yesterday, and if you're telling me that Costco is somehow safer than a school building, uh, I might challenge you on that. I had to touch carts and door handles and items on shelves, and I had to get the change from my cashier. Uh, on the way home, I had to touch the gas station pump. I had to, uh, so we, we are all in danger all the time. Um, I don't know if I can call it a disaster in the making. Uh, I can say that it makes education as difficult as it could possibly be uh, in the face of this coronavirus. Um, there will be plenty of students who do not get sick and there will be plenty of teachers who have no ill effects from this. There will also be students and teachers who die. And we sort of told our teachers, you guys are heroes, you guys are rock stars for quarantining yourself, social distancing. 
keeping the, the, the virus away from you and your family. And all of a sudden here in August, um, we all have to make the shift to being uh, front frontline first responders, you know, and uh, uh, a lot of teachers um, are, are not are not making that switch very easily. And, you know, God help them. Um, I, I myself don't feel uh, 100% confident. I, I don't think that I'm going to walk into this school building and somehow my uh, my mask with the with my school logo on it is going to totally keep me safe. It, it's not a it's not a guarantee and I am nervous, but here's the deal. These are the tough times that everyone has been talking about all these years. These are the moments when people will have to uh, step up and, and, and um, become self-assured and do the absolute best they can in the face of difficult circumstances. Um, you are not guaranteed that life is always going to be easy. Um, and just because life is hard now and there's some hard choices coming up, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that we've been wronged or um, now's the time to revolt against ourselves. Uh, everyday people have been making sacrifices the whole time. And the discomfort that comes with the potential of students and teachers going back to school, part of that discomfort is um, people who don't easily fit into the shoes of first responders and essential workers um, now getting themselves ready to step into that role. It's uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, we, we would teach any of our students to um, say what you mean, speak up, and when you have the opportunity, vote for the leaders that you think serve your best interest. Um, and lo and behold, that's what this has all come down to. Um, and, and we'll see. If school does open full time, um, it will be because the science and the numbers say that we can pull it off. Uh, if the science and the numbers say that we can't pull it off, uh, I have no question in my mind that the fall semester will be just like the first and school will be shifted to an online platform before you get sick, uh, before entire school buildings of school of students and teachers are uh, are sick from this. How do you think college campuses specifically are going to try to manage infection rates? And is it even realistic? Because college campus, as we, we all know, you know, a, a school in Illinois does not just serve students from Illinois. There may be students coming from hotspot places, which right now could be Arizona, Florida, Texas, you know. How do you, how do you go about managing infection rates? Because you can't put everyone in a bubble. Um, I don't, I don't, when you use the term manage infection rates, um, only people can decide to do that. Um, organizations have a tough time uh, controlling individual behavior. What I do know is that at these universities you usually have some of the brightest minds in immunology and um, disease control. Um, in, in fact, 
a lot of the larger state universities, their hospital, their medical research division is some of the leading stuff um, that you're going to find nationwide. We, we have uh, um, some universities are working on their own form of testing and they have access to the students and people will be tested more. They will make better uh, calculations. They will have better algorithms because they have the data living there on their campus. Will there be infections? Of course there are going to be infections. You can't stop corona. It, it fits perfectly. It matches perfectly with the pattern of human interaction. That's why it spreads so easy. You're never going to stop it totally uh, just by the force of will, but a university with their ability to test large numbers of students and take that data and formulate and isolate hotspots and contact trace and shut stuff down, um, they're going to fare much better at universities, for example, um, than the nightclub scene is going to do. The bar scene sees more human beings on the average, uh, you know, during the average holiday weekend than a university is going to see sick patients. And so, um, my concern is not how the major universities are going to handle the spread of virus. My concern is how will Lake Michigan handle the spread of virus? How will the lakefront do? How will these like unauthorized rap concerts, how will that handle the spread of the virus? You know, everybody wants to, wants to focus on uh, the biggest names and uh, ambitious plans, but really the seed of our destruction comes from below. Uh, it comes from people who are not involved in things like universities and stuff like that. Uh, some of these outbreaks that we're seeing from young people on vacation over Memorial Day and Fourth of July weekend, nobody was worried about the university on that day. All those young people, nobody even dared to compare it to uh, their school. Like, wow, is this half-naked boat party as safe as my campus is going to be? When you think about it from that point of view, I'm not concerned about it at all. Uh, give me a campus where the uh, university is limiting gatherings and people are practicing, practicing social distancing and the university has online, uh, not online, I mean on-campus, medical facilities and they are actually doing medical research to try and find a cure for this, I'll take that. I'll take that. If I have a choice to be in two crowds, I can either go over here and hang out with the smart people that are looking for a cure or I can go over here and hang out at this party with a bunch of idiots. I'll go ahead and take the university. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be uh, even close. What about the people at the university that still choose to go to the bars because they're open or throw a house party. We've seen reports of these COVID parties where people throw these massive parties in the streets almost, that leak out into the streets almost, just to see who gets infected. College kids, college kids have a tendency to not always use their brain. They're, they're as bright and as smart and as wonderful as we are, sometimes we revert back to childish things and childish activities. And while we know, yeah, we probably shouldn't be in a group of more than nine or ten people, sometimes people value fun over their own safety. Yeah. What do you do in that situation? That's almost guaranteed to cause an outbreak, is it not? 
Uh, I don't know if it if it will. Um, I, I don't know if 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 you're asking me who's going to win the fight between the irresponsible college student and the university that's trying to uh, wipe it out. I'm still going to put my money with the university. Um, you know, the, the, this, this fever among young people to taunt the coronavirus and act like um, life won't be the same if they don't party today. You know, some of those people, you're, you're not going to change. You're not. And that's what all this is about. It's about the realization that we have to live with coronavirus because um, we as a country, we're not on one accord about getting ready, you know, trying to stamp it out. Uh, so we're going to have to live with it in the same way that we've had to live with AIDS and um, all kinds of other diseases. Um, you're just going to have to recognize that those people who are irresponsible put you at risk. And you're just going to have to start to uh, surround yourself with safer people or people who take less risk. Um, you know, the university parties don't happen in a vacuum. Lots of people know who they are. Uh, if I had to say there was one bright spot, I would say that hopefully, um, you know, a lot of the people at those parties are from the university and maybe they're arriving COVID free. Uh, I know that's a, you know, that's a, uh, a, a Hail Mary, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. If New York City can do it and the city of Chicago can do it, um, I'm not discouraged when I think about a university campus doing it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to happen. You're never going to stop it completely. But... Um, I, I wouldn't think that a university campus was any less safe than anywhere else. In your estimation, what is the likelihood that we go back to school and we actually finish the already shortened semester in school? What, what, what is the likelihood we actually make it to Thanksgiving without having to get pulled early and going back to the, the online or hybrid structure we had this past spring semester? Uh, almost zero. Um, that horse has left the barn. I would, I would say um, it, that worrying about short-sighted goals, aren't, that, that's not productive here. It, a, a better question would be, um, can next school year start normally? When you how, how quickly? Um, because obviously life cannot return to normal without a vaccine. So the, the real question here is, how soon can we get the vaccine done? Um, that that's uh, that's going to be the key here, and then you'll still have people who don't like vaccines because you got the anti-vaxxers out there. So I mean, it's something that you're going to just have to have to deal with. But the good news is, is that I think all Americans do want life to get back to normal. So we should all be rooting for the companies that are working on these vaccines. And, you know, if I had one criticism of the, the national government, uh, it would be that I don't hear about, I, you know, our government workers fighting this virus. 
I want to see video from inside the lab. I want to see people delivering pizzas for those scientists. I want to see people standing outside clapping for people because they've been at work for 12 hours trying to figure out a vaccine for this. Um, when all I get are pictures of the president posing in front of a can of beans uh, or Goya juice, it's, it's discouraging, you know. Um, I, I know private enterprise is on up to the task. I know it. Um, some of the brightest minds in the world have given up on working for the federal government and are with private enterprise. Um, come on, man. Let's get, get Elon. Come on, Elon Musk. Find <laughs> a vaccine. Do something. Um, where, where is it? Where are the people who make dog food? The people who make... Uh, anybody, anybody with a room full of scientists can work on this. Let's let's get it done. You know, um, I remember when Obama was in office and the oil well was leaking on the bottom of the ocean. And people were talking about how tired Obama looked and he had bags under his eyes and his hair had gone gray. Um, that's because he was busy. He was busy coordinating, trying to figure out who or how this could be done. And you saw animations on TV, things scientists were coming up with, possible ideas. The federal government was asking people, if you got an idea, send it to us. We're, we're not opposed to ideas. How can we stop this oil leak? Um, and that's just what it takes. It just takes a national focus on something. When Kennedy said we were going to put a man on the moon, Guess what? You could see the gears working like there was something that had to be done. Now it just looks like we've outsourced the whole thing and we're just hiring contractors to try to to try to fix something for us. You know, um, it, it, it's it's disappointing, uh, the lack of a national plan. Um, you know, even. Hey, I'm I'm not the most tax text tech savvy guy but come on man send me a powerpoint something let me know what the federal government is doing about this all i can see the federal government doing is talking about nothing nothing i mean they're 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 on they're on camera every day but there's no plan there there's no no one knows what's good for the nation uh from a federal standpoint and so we're like all these little enclaves. We're like these little, we're like a, a country of neighborhoods now. And um, it's no wonder that things are as screwed up as they are. As we get ready to wrap up here, um, for the people listening and wondering how they can protect themselves and their families as they get ready to go back to school, what advice do you have for college students in particular that just maybe that's just because I asked that because that's just my age bracket personally. But what what advice do you have for students in terms of trying to get the most out of this semester and staying safe at the same time? Um, well, I'm, first of all, I'm not a doctor, so um, I, I can only tell you. Um, things I hope you would do. I hope you would limit your contact. I hope you would be responsible and practice social distancing and wear a mask and say no to some things you would normally say yes to. Uh, that, that right there will keep you out of a whole lot of trouble. 
uh, young people also need to take this as a wake-up call that you the time you spend in school should be short and immediate and intense because the way you educate yourself is how you are marketing yourself it's how you are marketing yourself you 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 can't market your you know if I was if I had a car if I had a blue station wagon and my plan was to sell this blue station wagon for a very nice price on eBay and I marketed it as a blue station wagon my my first my first order of business is to make sure that it's blue make sure that it's clean make sure that the way I plan to market it matches up with the thing I have um, people need to market themselves to make it through life as an adult but they treat their education like it's a sentence they treat their education like it's a tax they have to pay and that's how they dedicate themselves they they can't focus on how they're gonna market themselves in the future because they're distracted today and the worst thing you could possibly do is to finally get a hold of some education and then waste the opportunity uh, when, when people present you with online work a lot of times that curriculum has been developed in reverse it's not about what do we need to to pile into this class it, it's about when someone is done here what should they be able to do and that's a way of looking at life that I'm gonna encourage all young people to do right now what should you be able to do look at yourself right now and ask what can I do today what am I qualified to do what have I practiced doing I got a newsflash for you man corona has shown us that if you have spent your time social media uh, social doing the social media thing um, following people who are not role models um, you're gonna be left exposed because um, this this downtime that we're having only enforces it as a habit to a lot of people and young people are more than most people um, predisposed uh, to losing their fire and I get it. Everybody wants to kick it. Everybody wants to be cool. Um, but, you know, I was having this conversation the other day with my wife that, you know, when you look at young people on TV and in movies and you look at people representing the life of the average 21, 22, 24-year-old, there's kicking it and then there's romance. You never see them in involved in any kind of substance other than that. First they kick it and then they get romantic and then it's a commercial and when they come back from commercial on the show there's more kicking it and then more romance and then another commercial and man people think that that's how real life actually is and they're going to be behind because right now your competition is nailing these online classes and their opportunities for education um, Asian students right now are being taught that now is the time to strike because America's gener next generation is not up to the task. They're not into it. 
And um, if our country's going to have a future, we, it's got to be the young people waking up and catching fire and stop being so casual about everything. Um, uh, you know, you wouldn't believe the number of people who don't want to go back to school or work just because they're okay just being at home. Uh, it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad. And they're, they're going to have a hard time getting up to speed. Um, and sometimes I, I look at students, especially students of mine, especially when they're acting up or misbehaving, and I just tell them right to their face, if I was an employer, I wouldn't hire you. You don't have any fire. You don't even have any self-control. Well, now, when you have the fewest number of people telling you to exercise self-control, now's the time to do it and practice doing it. Um, if you're on the internet, turn off some of the nonsense, and I triple dog dare you to log onto a free class and learn something. Do it for yourself. Market yourself. Um, the only if you are wasting time and filling your your space with dead stuff, man, uh, that will be the only thing you are able to market. And to be honest with you, in five years, um, how many internet stars can we have? Believe me. Uh, right now, we have a bunch of people in their 30s who did not realize that the crap they were doing in their 20s doesn't last forever. Know the difference between a fad and a trend and be able to look forward and make some real uh, decisions about how you're going to get yourself to the you you plan to be in 10 years. If you add 10 years to your age... What is, how is what you're doing today going to help that? And what we find is that a lot of people just push that right on down the road, too. Um, I, I will say that, you know, the young people I work with, um, age 18 to 21, probably have the maturity level of 11 to 14 year olds because um, they don't get it. Uh, adults create a plan and follow it, and children do what feels good. Um, if I had to advise any of them at this time, um, develop yourself. Develop yourself very quickly, very quickly. Set a fire underneath it and um, use this downtime to do something that helps you market yourself later. Don't market yourself towards the trends. Um, there's nothing wrong with becoming a professional basketball player. It's just the mathematics of it are not in your favor. That's all. Have a backup plan. Be able to do something more than rhyme some words together or make a jump shot or um, offend people on the Internet. We got to have some real young people who are experts in real things in life. Um, or you will be outsourcing your life also. You will be outsourcing your life too, and you will be working for people who thought of the game plan before you did. And you will forever be a slave to other people uh, spending your money. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Mm -hmm. Very insightful. You will be back. As long as you got some time, <laughs> you'll be back. <laughs> well. Um, you know I where think, to find me. I think that there are going to be a lot of young people out here 
that hear this and maybe take a second look at how they spent their quarantine or their summer. And even if we don't go back into quarantine over what's going to be our winter break or our spring, well, if we get a spring break or even next summer, I think there are things in this in this interview, in this podcast that people will be able to listen to and take back and hopefully work on and make something happen, make something shake. I hope so. That was my dad, guys. I want to give him a special shout-out, special thank you for coming on the show, for dropping a lot of wealth on us, a lot of information, a lot of things that we can we can use in our everyday lives. Um, I want to give you guys a special thank you for sticking with me all the way to the end of this episode. I know it wasn't the most entertaining, maybe, maybe not the funniest episode um, that we'll ever put out, but I think it was important. I think there was a lot of good stuff in here. I think it was... I think that episodes like this are going to be um, maybe not the most common, but will be a staple in this show. I think it's important to to keep a balance of of having fun and also being real. And I think this was a very real, raw episode. I think there was a lot of good information in that interview from my dad. I think there's a lot to learn from this interview with my dad. Um, and so I know I will listen to it. Um, at least a couple of times, again, just to just to go back through it, go back over it, pick out some of the things that I really want to focus on for myself personally, and I encourage all of you to do the same. Um, once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you guys next time.